welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Richard Geiger. With me today is myself, and we're going to have a discussion on this podcast, obviously a one-sided discussion, um, pertaining to more of the traditional, uh, I guess you could say, subject matter that we would talk to on a weekly basis. I know last week I talked a lot about uh, football and fantasy football, and that's kind of a departure from what we would normally discuss. So I figured this week we would focus a little bit on, I guess, a broad subject. We talk a lot about comic books, and we talk a lot about comic book movies. We talk a lot about music and stuff like that as well. But I want to focus on some of the movies but from a DC standpoint but I want to focus more on the animated side of things and not necessarily even just the movies I feel like DC has a great slate of movies and TV shows for viewing that obviously just makes their live action stuff for the most part look obviously weak in comparison uh, but then along those lines, I'd also like to just kind of go over a little bit that, of course, Marvel has a slate of animated TV shows as well. And they've been doing animated TV shows for quite some time. So I'd like to kind of touch on all of those and kind of get an idea, hopefully via feedback that we don't really ever get on what people are really enjoying or what people are watching nowadays and I'll kind of get to later on what one of my favorite uh, DC animated I'll call it it's a show but one of my favorite ones that I've been able to watch here recently I'll I'll get into that towards the end too but I I guess the first discussion kind of pertains to the amount of animated series now I think a lot of times when people think about animated series or animated movies, you're thinking more cartoony type stuff. And I know when it was Saturday morning cartoon time, right? I enjoyed watching my cartoons. If it was after school, there was after school cartoons. Uh, And, and, you know, Disney had the whole slate of them with Chip and Dale's Rescue Rescue Rangers and um, Tailspin and Darkwing Duck and all those things. And, you know, there was other good shows, too. There was G.I. Joe. There was Transformers. But a lot of people think of animated stuff in that that form or fashion more of a, a kid's thing. So as animated features progressed, anime became, you know, much more popular in the last 20, 30 years. And there are definitely a wide, a wide variety of, of anime subjects from, you know, the dirty stuff all the way down to the kids stuff. So that's got an audience that stretches across, you know, a lot of generations. But in terms of comic book, in terms of comic book uh, interest and in terms of the animated stuff, I really wonder the marketing or the appeal, because I feel like more more modern iterations of comic book animated 
features or TV shows are really geared towards adults. And that's a that's a great change, especially for DC. Um, obviously, Marvel's got a lot of properties that would work great in terms of more adult content as well. But I think in certain aspects, the DC, a more adult theme. I'm not, I'm not going to say like R-rated, but just more more geared towards an interest level from adults is. I think that's growing, and it's and it, it and they have a, a better cast or a better lineup that lends itself towards those types of you know features. So I can kind of relate to going back to those after school cartoons or really Saturday morning cartoons. You know, my my era was the uh, X-Men cartoons, right? So the X-Men cartoons and then uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man and X-Men, I think, were on Fox, if I'm not mistaken. And they ran for a few seasons in there. And that really got me the introduction in a lot of ways towards some of those characters and how those characters and those seasons and those episodes progressed. Um uh, especially in an era where cable wasn't a big thing. And especially for me where I didn't have cable being able to catch an episode of those when I could really like really excited me, really drew my interest. But these were Saturday morning cartoons, right? So these types of things was, were really geared towards younger kids. And I, I really, Maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't envision many 40-year-olds watching the X-Men cartoon, which, unfortunately, if you were an X-Men fan and you didn't watch it, I mean, I thought you were really missing out because that's kind of a classic series. But, but but Marvel did other ones before that, too, right? They did a Spider-Man with, um, oh, well, they did an Avengers one. They did an Iron Man feature. They did a, a Spider-Man uh, that was before, like, the 90s Spider-Man. They've, they've done tons of Spider-Man. Spider-Man versions. It's kind of crazy, actually. But in terms of a lot of these more modern features, I'm talking maybe like the last 10 years or 15 years, we really have seen DC come to the forefront in terms of quality, in terms of the production, in terms of the, the... you know, episode over episode in terms of the movie, because not all of the movies come together or fit together in a certain timeline, but a lot of them do when they've developed characters and they've melded those characters from, from person to person. And of course, you know, during that time frame, there was always the Batman animated series. There was, you know, the Superman animated series. And then, you know, there was the Justice League animated series as well. And the Justice League animated series really good as well. But I, I guess the weird thing, and, you know, I, I always kind of got made fun of is I always watched the cartoons, you know, no matter, I mean, I'm old now, I still love watching the cartoons. And I, I feel like even though in a certain sense, the older ones were geared towards younger audiences, that they still have a broad appeal. One of my favorite, one of my favorite animated series is, is on was on uh, Disney XD Disney XD obviously they they have that partnership uh, Disney has a partnership they they own Marvel right so they were able to do all these animated series and they've had like in the past 10 years like four five ten spider-man animated series and it's just you, you lose track of how how many of them there are and what what the characters are and who the voices are and but I always watched them all because they're all 
pretty good. And they always developed the characters over the course of some episodes. But there was an Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which went about two seasons long. And you can actually watch it on Disney Plus right now. All those animated things from from Marvel, from uh, from the Fo- <clears throat> the Fox days, are all on Disney Plus. But Avengers Earth Earth's Mightiest Heroes is a really really fun animated series, and I, it stinks that it only lasted two two seasons. And they went into other Avengers series after that um, through Disney XD. And those are pretty good, but they're, they're not quite, they're not as good as the original one was. But, you know, we're, we're talking about all these Marvel series, but DC really, I thought, as much as we, we tried to see the 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 DC movies come to light. There was a good Batman series, right? Batman's kind of been the forefront. We, we've seen a lot of just weak iterations of movies from the DC universe in the last ten years, and you know there there it could be a lot of different things. I mean, there's a Constantine movie which, on its own, is an okay movie, but in terms of how the character is, misses the mark a bit. You know, there's obviously been a, a Superman and and um, there was a, a Justice League and Aquaman and even those aren't really all that great in, in, in my opinion but the DC animated movies have always been surprisingly strong and I'm wondering in terms of the appeal for these DC animated movies is it really the adults and I'm talking like maybe my generation the older adults who is the target audience for these features you know there there's some really there's some really good ones in here and there's there there's some that just don't hold back you know there's some that there are that there's plenty of um, violence in a sense there's there's uh, heroes that that don't make it bad guys that don't make it there's blood not over the top in a certain sense but there's plenty of blood uh you know a a good one is the justice league dark apocalypse that just came out here recently which you know if you haven't seen that it's awesome but there's there's a lot of characters that don't make it there's a lot of um blood compared to what you would regularly see in a DC or a regular animated feature like that. So that's a good change of pace. But if you look at the lineup, and I really want to, I really want to kind of focus a little bit here on one streaming service. I know DC did a, they have a streaming service and right now HBO Max has kind of incorporated a lot of the DC animated stuff and soon the whole DC animated, the whole DC lineup will be on HBO Max. But for right now, there's just a good portion of it. So if you don't have maybe the DC streaming services, but you do have HBO Max, there's a whole DC section that's on there that you could pick up a lot of these animated features and really watch and really enjoy. Um, you know, I think one of the more common ones, and they're going to try to do an, a live-action movie that's just unfortunately going to fail and, and not be anywhere near as good, is the the Justice League uh, Flashpoint Paradox, for example. You know, I think a lot of people who are familiar with comic books know that storyline, 
and the animated feature itself, like it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't hold back. It holds a bleak picture. Um, there's lots of, lots of quote heroes, I guess you could say, because it's a different landscape. A lot of people that don't make it through the course of this movie. And it just holds a whole different perspective on what you think of your heroes or what their motivations are or what they could end up being. So it's a really fun one. And that's one that you can find on HBO Max. Uh, and once again, I'll go back to it. You can't find all of them that are on there. Um, another one that's really fun is uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. And that one's just had, to me, it's fun because it's just got a good cast of people, uh, bad guys, good guys that are trying to come after Batman and Superman um, for various reasons. So I, I, I always like to see those characters that one that you do recognize, but two that don't get a lot of screen time normally and you see them. And maybe if it's just 30 seconds or a minute, but it's those people where you're just like, man, I wish that one had more screen time. And you get a little bit of that in this particular movie. Um, the other ones, you know, there's, there's, uh, I want to see here, Batman, Harley Quinn, uh, Justice League, Gods and Monsters. That's an interesting little, little one too. I guess what I'm getting at here is if you have the opportunity to do an HBO Max subscription, whether you whether it's because you've got it through DirecTV or whether you've got it through, you know, you used to do HBO Go and you're like, well, I don't know about HBO Max. Um, you know, at 15 bucks a month, you have so many other streaming services that you're paying for already. You know, whether you do Hulu or whether you do Netflix or whether you do this or that, that you're right. The, the amount of streaming services just, it just becomes overwhelming. And... In terms of what's on, what's on HBO Max, there's not the full slate of the DC properties yet. But I would strongly suggest that once those properties become available, once the the director's cut the uh, of Justice League, the live action movie becomes available, I I would recommend you know spending some money on that for a while and just you know chewing up all the DC stuff if you haven't seen it before. If you've only seen a couple movies and you liked what you saw and you want to see more, there's such a big library of, of features that are out there that I really think that when the time comes and they're all on HBO Max, like I said, it's it's probably worth paying the 15 bucks a month for like six months so that you can watch all the all the all the films. You can watch all of the animated series that are available to be seen on there. Um, are there some that are on there that aren't that good? Well, of course there are, but for the large part, I think, I think if you haven't watched them, you're missing out on a strong segment of, of comic book, you know, feature presentation. Now, in terms of what you, what you should watch one of the things that's really sneaky good, so they've done, uh, we'll probably do a review in the future of some some Netflix properties. Maybe we'll do on Amazon The Boys Season 2. But one of the things that we've never really um, reviewed just yet, there's a series that's out uh, called Doom Patrol 
that's on HBO Max. That's a DC property. And I'm about two episodes in, so I can't really give you much feedback on that one, considering that there's mostly two seasons. There's like 1.9 seasons, I guess you could say. So there's a lot left in the bank for season two, and season three has been, you know, given a go-ahead. But, uh, you know, that one it seems pretty good. But the, the sneaky good one that is available on the DC Animated Series... Uh, DC animated property, but it's also on HBO Max, is the Harley Quinn um, animated show. Now, the Harley Quinn animated show is very easy to consume. So, the the idea, I think a lot of times these, these, these features take themselves pretty seriously, right? There's not a lot of lightheartedness to it. You'll see more of that in some of the more current Marvel animated features. The, you know, some of the, especially Spider-Man, especially Spider-Man, all the different series of those, those are a little bit more lighthearted. Um, some of the uh, the newer Avengers ones, not maybe maybe not the Earth's Mightiest Heroes, but some of the newer Avenger ones, they're, they're a little bit more lighthearted. But you don't oftentimes get, get a lot of that. You know, Batman's not really much up for lightheartedness. Um, Superman isn't either. Uh, you get a little bit more of that from some of the characters like Green Lantern and the Flash in elements of some of the movies. But what you get from this Harley Quinn is all the lightheartedness that you can get with just over the top. Um, you know, you get a lot of, of blood, gory stuff like not ridiculous. It's it's an animated TV show after all, but there's there's a lot of gory stuff. There's a lot of um, f bombs, c bombs. That's a big running gag in the first season. Uh, but it's a it's a it's just a different change of pace. So one of the reasons that it is a change of pace is because the, the main characters that you see in here are generally what's construed as, uh, you know, characters, bad, bad characters, maybe bad characters that had good intentions, uh, you know, in a certain extent. But most of these are simply characters that are you know you know lower level bad guys in terms of the comic book world and a lot of them revolve around um, Batman villains but you'll see other villains that's, that go all throughout and it, it focuses obviously around Harley Quinn but you see a, a lot of poison ivy as well and then they have like a crew that consists of clayface King shark um, dr psycho. A little-known character by the name of uh, Kite Man, and there's a few others in there as well. Commissioner Gordon obviously is in there quite, quite a bit. Um, another character called Cyborgman, huh, funny, um, is in there. But I, I think what you get out of this one is just a re more refreshing look, where it's it's not. Batman doing the things. It's not the Justice League doing the things, right? They, they've kind of found their way around having those characters being prominent characters in this movie, in this TV show. I mean, you still get, you get some dark side that's thrown in there as well. Even, 
even that piece from Darkseid isn't exactly, you know, uh, uber serious. So even that part's lighthearted. But it's it's easily consumable. I mean, the episodes are 25 minutes long, right? So you can sit down and while you're eating, you can watch one of the episodes. And it, it's just kind of a fun, different, refreshing look on DC characters because it does it does show it does provide a lot of uh face time for various characters you know like i said once again a lot of them kind of revolve around the, the batman universe but but they're there and they're they're not taken too seriously which i think is a big a, a, a big plus for this series so if you have some time and you aren't afraid of some language or, you know, some adult themes, let's call it, then this one is, I think, well worth anyone's time. Um, and, and I know not everybody has the opportunity to just have the, the DC subscription service or HBO Max, and I get it. But if the time comes and you could stream it somewhere, it magically shows up on Netflix, don't count on that. Um, that it's well worth kind of chewing up some time with that. Uh, so I, I guess one thing I would have is, you know, what are, we, we never get feedback from any of our listeners and we're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter. We are on Instagram. And if we post something or we say something about an episode, Hey, any feedback we get because you listen to the episode means a lot to us because we don't get a lot of that. We don't get suggestions on what we could do for our future episodes, what we could correct on our current episodes, what we missed on our current episodes. So if you just look for the Pudding Guys or the real Pudding Guys on Twitter, um, any any just looks at the stuff and feedback that we can get is much appreciated. We do have a Patreon account as well. Um Pudding guys as well, where the subscription you can do just like a dollar. We're pretty easy. We're pretty low key, but the the database that Ken's been working super hard on is just getting bigger and more extensive, and it's going to be featuring more and more things here in the future. That if you have the Patreon account, you'll have access to. You'll have access to help us change. You'll have access to help us score or. Or, or upgrade so we, we got some cool things that we we do but we need some we need some outside influence because you know our as much as our wives love us they don't like talking about the comic books on the podcast you know what i'm saying so we need we need that second wave of feedback from folks who hear us talk about nonsense but want to reiterate and give us back some of that nonsense and that's the that's you guys. All right. So, like I said, I wanted to talk a bit about the animated properties, and I think we've done that. Okay. So, part two, I'd like to discuss a little bit about games. Now, I know Ken's a little bit more of a tabletop gamer, and I am not at all a tabletop gamer. Um, Ken does play some Bidja games. He did a lot of computer gaming, um, has a PlayStation 4, 
but not necessarily the priority right now. But we've got some new consoles that are coming out. There's a new Xbox that's coming out, and there's a new PlayStation that's coming out. And some of the price points on these are varied. You know, it's not like in the past, a new console is coming out. This is the one if you want to pay at the end. They've got some new options in terms of the variations of these consoles. So I guess I want to discuss a little bit here whether, one, I feel like our listeners are a certain age group. If folks in that certain age group are interested in purchasing these consoles, I mean, when I was, I'm trying to think here, if I go through all my ages, I've always had a game console, had an Atari, uh, had a Nintendo, had a Sega Genesis, had a PC with a bunch of games on it, had a PlayStation 2, an Xbox, an Xbox 360, an Xbox One S, technically is what it is. I never got the One X. And really, a lot of time is spent on these games. And I'm, I feel like everybody's the same. If you had a game console, you've had a game console since you were little, and you still have one, that you're eyeballing these consoles and you're thinking to yourself, can I throw down that 500 bucks for that new console? Whether it's the Xbox or the PlayStation. And I'm not going to get too much into that either. I've always had a you know, uh, an Xbox in terms of the last, the Xbox 360, the One S, that's just kind of the direction that I've gone. I won't say it's far better or far worse than one or the other. It's just the one I've had and I like it. So I'll probably stick with it. Um, don't like the controllers on the PlayStation. Maybe that's a minor thing as well. But um, it, is it something that you as the listeners are going to buy? Is it something that you as the listeners are going to buy the the step down, the lower end, the, like the digital only version of these consoles. I'm real curious as to what the interest level is. I know from an Xbox standpoint, um, someone told me they had a part of the promotions you could pay 25 bucks a month for 24 months, and that pays for the console, but it also pays for the Xbox Game Pass. So it's kind of an all-in-one package that you could just pay for it over time and don't have to pay that money all up front uh, through Microsoft, of course. Uh, or if you had, let's say, um, a Best Buy card that you could just finance it from Best Buy for 12 months, no interest. Is that something that when the pre-orders start, I want to say here very soon, and they get delivered in November, that we're going to see a lot of people in our age range do? Or is this going to be more the 20 to you know 25-year-old? Like, they're going to be the one that's going to be buying these game consoles. I'm super curious. Now, in terms of what the game lineups are going to be, you know, right now, my, my gaming preferences have changed quite a bit. Um, my Fallout 4 gameplay that I'm in right now, I've tried to just go through and complete whatever I can. But everybody who's played Fallout or any of the Elder Scrolls games know that they're very buggy, very glitchy. And my games hit a snag where I'm, I've got so much stuff that I've collected and they're all this stuff is in one spot when I play it and I go back to the sanctuary and I do anything, the game just freezes no matter what. So I can't ever go back there if I'm going to continue to play the game. It's really frustrating. But, you know, for me, in terms of if there was a new game that was going to come out, 
if someone said, well, in November, there is going to be a Elder Scrolls 6, but you can only get it on one of the next generation consoles. Like to me, I'd seriously consider spending the money to get that console because to me, that game would be would be worth it for not only the initial but like the replay value and just digging into everything that you can get out of those games. But is there is there a game that's going to be in that lineup come this November, this December that fulfills people's needs? There's a new Call of Duty that comes out and, and, and that's cool. Like me personally, I haven't purchased a Call of Duty game in who knows how long. Now I will say that I do play Warzone all the time i play warzone well not all the time all all the time would be i played eight hours a day seven days a week and that just ain't gonna happen but if i play it you know two hours every other day to me that's a lot of play time uh, on on a game but warzone doesn't cost anything are these new games when they come out on these next gen consoles are they going to be 60 bucks 80 bucks 100 bucks you know that's a lot of money to throw down for one game Especially when these games don't don't tend to have a lot of shelf life. You play it and you play it and you play it and then you're done with it. So I guess my habits have changed as I've gotten older too. One of the things I like about, you know, having the Xbox, I've had a gold subscription for Xbox since two two thousand something almost gosh, it's been almost twenty years since I've had that subscription so that I could be online or play multiplayer and that type of stuff. But as a person who has a subscription, they float out discounts on games. You know, at this point they do it weekly. They used to do it monthly. They used to do things, especially around the holidays. And really what I've been keying my money towards is a game that's been out for four years, but you get like the full expanded version of that game with all the downloads. You don't have to pay anything else for it. And I have it on like a super sale for like 20 bucks or 18 bucks. Like to me, that's good value. And those games have hours and hours and hours of playtime on it. One of the most frustrating things is a new game comes out and it's 60 bucks. But if you want to get all the extra content that'll come out in six months or a year, you got to pay like another 40 bucks. So like you're paying a hundred dollars for this, this one game. And to me, that just seems like a lot of money. So that that's really my my curiosity now because the last game I bought was The Witcher 3 but like the complete edition and it was $17. And I thought that was like oh really for like one of the best games that that's been out. I thought that was a really good value. And I haven't even I haven't even played it. I I haven't even downloaded the game yet. So uh, I just been focusing my time if I do play games on Warzone and Warzone's free. Warzone, so one of the other things that interests me on games like a new Fallout game or like a new Elder Scrolls game is that you can play at your own pace and you can get good or bad at it on your own pace. Where a game like Warzone, a game like Fortnite, which I don't I don't know if you guys are hopefully nobody's still playing that game. But anyway, uh, when you play that game and you play it two hours every other day, you're going up against players who like seriously, whether they're 14 or whether they're 30, these people 
play the game eight hours a day, seven days a week. Um, some people think it's their profession to do it. Some people, it is their profession to do it. And when you think about they get as much practice in one day as you get playing it for one week, of course, everybody's going to be significantly better than you at any of those types of games. So, you know, playing a game that is a multiplayer game, to me, has limitations on interest. But a game where you play by yourself and can take games at your own pace, that's that's where the money's at to me. Now, if they did a, like a, an Elder Scrolls or a Fallout game that was a multiplayer game, but it was a co-op multiplayer game, um, I know they do have the Elder Scrolls online, um, and there is, you know, Fallout 76, but, uh, that's, that's, that's its own thing. I'm just talking at like a standalone, Hey, you know, Fallout five comes out and it's the single, single player campaign, but you can create a gameplay that you and one of your friends play. And you, so that would be pretty interesting to me because once again, you kind of just, you're going at your own pace on your own time when you can do what you want to do. And as much as I love playing Warzone, it's just, I'll never get good at that game because I don't play it enough. And I'll never get good at it because the people that I'm playing are just so much better than me that you, you don't have a way to really practice. Uh, so it's, it's a tough kind of, balance. But I guess my real ultimate question is who's willing, who's going to, what's the age range? What's the, what's the budget level? Who's going to end up purchasing these new consoles when they come out for the holiday season? I'm really curious to see who, who's really going to go for that. And I'm, I mean, I'm still up in the air on whether I'd, I would actually do that or not. Obviously, I don't have the 500 to, to throw down all at once, so it'd have to be on some type of monthly payment. Oh, just add it to your phone bill like it's a phone. That'd be great. Um, but it'll be so interesting. I'm excited that the consoles have gotten to a point now where they can do what they can do because in those games that I enjoy they can make the landscapes so ridiculously awesome looking, but they can make them so outrageously big and expansive that you can explore and you can work on things and do things and do tasks and do all these things. It would take you forever to do the nonsensical type of stuff. And the old consoles just didn't have that capability that the new ones do. So that's kind of why I'm excited. And like I said, if magically they announce a new Elder Scrolls or a new um, Fallout game that was going to come out in the holiday time frame at the same time these consoles came out, I would be super tempted to get that. But that's a lot of money to, to put down for one game. So if you think about it, you're paying like 600 bucks for a game. That's a, if I was complaining before about a hundred bucks for a game, just imagine 600 bucks for a game. Kind of crazy when you put it in that type of perspective. Um, but that also begs the question too. So the evolution of the PC games has really gone to, you know, exponential levels. 
and you can spend $1,000 on a really good PC, or you can spend $30,000 on a really good PC, which seems absurd to me, but, you know, some of the streamers, the popular streamers, will spend that much money on it. Uh, but a lot of players, I wonder, you know, for the casual gamer like myself, well, I just have a TV on, on my console, but what is the setup for some of the other, some of our, my listeners? Do you have a place where you just have this absurdly gigantic TV? You got like some 65 inch TV, you got a 70 inch TV and it's dedicated to just you having your game console hooked up to it and it's in the corner and maybe you'll watch a movie or something on it, but that's about it. Or do you have like a workhorse TV that does your games and it does your streaming and it does your movie watching and does all the things with the family. So the t- TVs nowadays, I the TV that I have now is easily the best TV I've, I've ever owned and the best TV relative to when I purchased that TV. But the price point on it is a half or a third of what those other TVs were. So you can get just ripping good TVs right now and not have to pay very much to get them. So I'm curious if, you know, if when you look at these gaming PCs and you buy these absurd monitors, are we in the same realm too? Because we spend this money on a game console, but then you spend a lot of money on a really nice TV as well. Just it's it's just an interesting kind of landscape to be in now because gaming is a billion dollar industry, but it's not just for the games, it's for the headsets, it's for the controllers, and you know the TV like the TV industry isn't even mentioned in part of the gaming industry because you know the TV is its own is its own electronics category. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling here. It's just a I'm just curious as to what most people's preferences are. So maybe we'll throw out when this episode hits on Friday, we'll throw out some interest through, um, you know, whether it's Twitter or whether it's through our Instagram that just, Hey, are you going to buy the new console when it comes out? You know, and, and, and not asking whether it's an Xbox or like, are you going to buy one of the new next gen consoles when it comes out? Yes or no. And then in the feedback, if you could just tell us, you know, why or or which one or what your preference is or, you know, here, here's the other thing, too. You know, how are we going to pay for it? Like, I don't care what your credit score is and I don't care what your bankroll is. You know, some people just have a, a preference when this out when this comes out. Like some people like I've been saving, you know, 100 bucks a month for the last six months because I knew this thing was going to come out. So I'm just going to go and buy it. Or is it something, well, I've made the decision I'm just going to do it for, you know, 12 months on a cart. You know, it's, I'm just curious on the behind the scenes details on what people do in terms of their gaming and how it's evolved so much since I had a 13 inch tube TV that had my uh, Nintendo hooked up to it that I played all the stinking time and played with the Madden games and I played the NHL games and Link. I wasn't a Zelda person. I played Link because I was cool. Um, so what are your thoughts on the DC movies, on the DC animated series? What are your thoughts on the Marvel series? What are your thoughts on the new gaming consoles that are going to be coming out? Are you going to buy one? Are you going to get 
uh, HBO Max because they've got good stuff. And I think there's a sale. It's 12 bucks a month right now instead of 15 Is it something where I'm crazy for having HBO Max and I would never get HBO Max because it's just a waste of money and I have all these other things to stream on? Give us some feedback. And we can address that in follow-up episodes. We'd love to do that. Love, love, love. Yeah, send us a tweet. Send us a a heads up. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, But until next time, uh, check us out, like I said, on all all our social media platforms. We'll have a review out for a movie coinciding with this episode as well. And we'll talk to you folks next week. 